Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello, everybody. Welcome here to another edition of Affected by Altitude. Had to remember the name for a second because this is part of Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a Rockies podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. I am your host here on this gloomy, snowy morning here in Southern Colorado. I'm Skylar Timmons and joined here by Evan Lang. How's the weather in Boulder? Uh, I haven't looked outside yet. Live on air, Evan's going to go with some weather <laughs> I don't know. Would that get us more listeners if I did uh, did weekly weather catch-ups? I doubt that. Allegedly, it is 38 degrees and raining. Gross. Yeah, it was raining last night. Um, it was raining pretty hard uh, on my way back from Denver. I was down in Denver um, seeing uh, Lewis Black live at the Paramount. Really cool. Um, but on our way back, it was just it was raining a lot. How much uh, spit do you think was spewed? Eh, not that much. <laughs> How close to a heart attack would you say he was? Pretty close. I mean, he said it. He said it at one point. <laughs> if there's anybody that's ever going to just have a rage-induced heart attack on stage, it's going to be Lewis Black. I don't know. He was talking about how uh, both of his parents lived to be over 100. Were they screaming... All the time? I have no idea. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very good show, though. I enjoyed it a great deal. But uh, that's nice. I called basketball games. High school basketball. Fun stuff. It's, uh, how much uh, How much money do you make betting on those high school basketball games? I owe the state $30,000. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. Buy a shirt. <laughs> Please, I'm in so much debt from betting on the high school games I call. Oh, goodness. I've never done a sports bet in my life, and I probably never will. I have lost every single sports bet I have ever placed in my entire life. It's just not worth it to me. Granted, for me, was, I'm using all the, it's all the free money that you get when you sign up. So yeah, money. 
Yeah. But <laughs> I still lost every single one. Last night on the Denver Nuggets game, I placed uh, a bet that Nikola uh, Jokic was going to go uh, 30, 10, and 10. 30 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. And he went 27, 22, and 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too hard to predict that stuff. But then there's those folks that are savvy at it and good for them. And it's I'm good... not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the only speak... bet that I am confident in is that the Rockies are going to win more than 59.5 games in 2024. We can only hope. I think so, too, though. 63. But uh, speaking of gambles, Evan, should we talk about some based ball? Nah. Oh, all right. Well, right. <laughs> see any good movies lately? <laughs> uh, started watching Masters of the Air, the uh, the Band of Brothers show about the Army Air Force in World War II. It's very good so far. Apple TV or whatever. It is on Apple TV. See, it's just another streaming service that nobody wants. Yeah, but my roommate already pays for it, so I don't have. There to. you go. We have now meandered through about five minutes of this show without talking of anything of real significance. Uh, you can get be on the lookout for free Apple subscriptions during the season from the Apple TV games. There you go. There's our tie into baseball. But uh, speaking of actual baseball and gambling, Rocky Spring Training invites. That's where we'll kick things off here. There's just been some... If you haven't noticed, if you're listening to this, and Evan, there's not a lot to talk about in the offseason when it comes to the Rockies. Turns out to be a lot of speculation. But hey, baseball, we're just a few weeks away from actual games, Evan. We're, it's there. We can taste it on the tip of our tongue. It's right there. And part of that is the annual announcement of uh, spring training invites. And uh, Rockies released their list. I think it was about 26 players or so that they announced. But at Rockies Fest, Bud Black was like, they've got about like 66 players in total of non-roster invites, prospects, other guys that have been invited to camp or will be there at camp and everything vying for spots and playing out. But we have an official list of guys that seem like, I don't know, to me it seems like guys that factored or I guess factored to, to be contributors at some point in in 2024 or have that i guess potential is kind of the read i got from that list yeah it's a pretty good list um so there are 26 overall non-roster players uh invited to spring training um the fewest of which are the left-handed pitchers uh we already knew ty block was going to be there uh and then uh prospect pitchers carson palmquist and joe brock uh, the right-handed pitchers is a bit more filled out um, with a, a decent mix of veterans and younger guys. Uh, younger guys, we have Carl Kaufman, Jaden Hill, uh, and Jeff Criswell. Um, returning to the Rockies is Matt Caraciti on a minor league deal, which is awesome, uh, as well as Matt Cook. Um, some of the other minor league pickups we had over the offseason, Chance Adams, John uh, Curtis, Jeff Hartley, and Kyle Wilcox. Uh, the catchers, we have Braxton Fulford, Willie McIver, and Drew Romo. For Romo, this is his second spring training, I believe, where he's been a non-roster invite. Mm -hmm. um, 
infielders, we have Connor Kaiser, Grant Levine, Ryan Ritter, which is a surprise to me, uh, Aaron Schunk, and Alan Trejo. Outfielders, Jordan Beck, Benny Montgomery, Vladimir Restituyo, and Zach Veen. And on the utility side of things, Coco Montes and Sterling Thompson. Um, so pretty overall, I think, well-rounded invite list. Um, we've seen some people going, oh, well, what about uh, Julio Carreras? What about Adele Amador? So they're coming to spring training anyway because they don't have to be non-roster invites. They're on the 40-man roster. Yeah, I had that <laughs> thought. I'm like, wait, is Amador on that? Oh, wait, he's on the 40-man. Having to do yeah, that so quick math. Prospects that'll be at spring training as part of the 40-man roster. Um, you're going to have Yankiel Fernandez. You're going to have um, Julio Carreras, Warming Bernabel, and Adele Amador. Uh, Pitching-wise... My guess is that Riley Pint is going to be there, though he's not really much of a prospect anymore. Uh, Anthony Molina, Juan Mejia, and um, I think Evan Justice is going to be there as well. Yeah, because he's on the 40 still. And uh, Angel Chivili, mm-hmm. or Angel Chivili. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and looking MLB pipeline, uh, 10 top 30 prospects in that list coming to spring training. And... The number four, number five, number six, number eight, number nine prospects. So nearly half of your top ten will be there. Probably the full top ten is going to be there in big league camp, I would assume. And you got Joe Rock, number 16. Ryan Ritter comes at number 20. Number 21, Carson Palmquist, number 28. Aaron Schunk, and number 30, Jaden Hill. So plenty of guys in your top 30 prospects, according to MLE Pipeline. It can be exciting. And that's really what we can look forward to. The theme of 2024 is the year of the prospect, year of the rookie, kind of hoping. And uh, good to see uh, all these different names hopefully getting a fair look and assessment there in spring training. Whereas the Rockies, they don't really cycle their regular guys in very often. It like takes a little, usually it takes about a week or so before they actually start getting into regular game action, don't they? Like Chris Bryant won't be there until like maybe like the fifth game. It it usually depends, honestly, on how guys are feeling. The the veterans usually get a little bit more run of, um, you know, how they want to play it. So like, you know, Charlie Blackman isn't going to be like pressured into early spring training action unless he really wants to. I'm willing to bet that they're all going to be there. Um, so in terms of the overall date range, uh, February 15th is the first workout for pitchers and catchers. Uh, February 20th is the first full squad workout. And then February 23rd is the first game of spring training. Uh, and I'm willing to bet everyone's going to be there at that point. It's just a matter of who's going to be playing or not. Yeah. But, uh, looking at that non-roster of 26 guys, how many games, if this was the regular season roster, (laughs) How many games do you think this team's winning of, of just this 26 man non-roster invitee list? I mean, how many games are they winning? More I mean, or less than the honest, 2023 squad? Probably less just because a ton of these guys are guys who are scattered just throughout the, um, throughout the minor league system uh, a bunch of them have no major league experience the guys with major league experience on this roster are ty block uh chance adams matt carasidi uh i think both curtis and hartley carl kaufman matt cook and kyle wilcox 
And then for the position players, it's really just Alan Trejo. Hey, Connor Kaiser played in a couple games. And so did Coco Montes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think throwing a bunch of guys from double A and high A into into big league action. It's a bold strategy. It's basically the plot of Major League. Hey, they went to the American League Championship Series, Evan. They did. Okay, build your lineup then. Who's your starting nine off this invite list? Off the invite list, okay. Catcher, I'd probably put pick Romo at this point just because he is our top catching prospect. Uh, first base, Grant Levine. Mm-hmm. I'll do second base, Coco Montes. Um, actually, no, I'll do second base, Aaron Shunk. Shortstop, Alan Trejo. Third base, Sterling Thompson. And then the outfield I would have from left to right. Um, let's do Zach Veen, Benny Montgomery, Jordan Beck. Mm-hmm. I think I'd swap out and I'd put Ryan Ritter at shortstop for me for the most part. And then, yeah, it doesn't really matter. I think Aaron Chunk or Alan Trejo can handle handle second base for me. So could Coco Montez. Yeah. Like, that, that's why Coco's these guys that are more stir- than capable. Yeah. But yeah. It's like, or I'll throw in the wild card and just put Sterling Thompson at short or at second, but he can handle third base. I think that's his main position at the moment he can do uh second base as well and yeah. uh play some outfield yeah so sterling if you don't have in the lineup you'd have him as your uh super utility guy because you know on on paper you could do worse if you had to make a roster out of these guys uh your rotation is probably going to be not great yeah like. the, the rotation is is tough you're going to be lefty um, heavy. I think I'd have Block and Palmquist and Rock. Yes. And then it comes down to like Jeff Criswell. I would probably go ahead and do Criswell and then uh, probably Jaden Hill or Carl Kaufman. Hmm. There's some there's some rumors that the Rockies are interested in um, having Jaden Hill be more of a bullpen guy right now. I, I think so too. And I think that's a better move for him because with all the arm injuries, he's no dealt with and he looked good in Arizona Fall League no closing out games like take advantage of that late innings like works yeah. out i think there's still i think there is still a chance that he can be a big league starter but there needs to be some building up yeah. still that needs to be done um, with all the time he's missed due to injury and there are some some pitches i think he needs to add but he still has a lot of great potential like yeah. jaden hill i think we're going to be really happy with him no matter what he does yeah um and there are there are some guys on this non-catcher invite list who are probably going to have big league appearances out of the bullpen um, I guarantee you we're going to see Matt Caraciti at some point. Uh, same with Matt Cook. I think Matt Cook actually has a pretty solid chance to make the uh, opening day roster with how useful he was to the team uh, last year. He ended up eating a lot of innings and actually was really solid for the first hot minute where he was with the big league team last year. But, you know, we saw the same thing that happened to everybody else in that bullpen. It's just the amount of work that they were doing eventually – the performances are going to start going down. Yeah. Like that's the big thing I keep telling everybody. It's like 
on paper, the Rockies are not demonstrably worse this year than they were last year. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea how they're actually going to do. <laughs> they're not but, much better than they were, but they didn't get worse. But the big thing is if that rotation is going to be able to stay healthy. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we're looking at this, this non-roster invite list. We could do a lot worse than some of the guys on this list. Definitely. It's a lot of good depth. And I think the big one, no, that also has a really strong chance of making the opening day bullpen spot is that John Curtis. No, but before some injuries had a really solid year back in 2020. So, you know, <laughs> it's that typical Rockies thing. If we want you to do something, get back to what you were four years ago. Can you do that again? But no, when he was healthy, oh, and he was able to turn in some time last year. Wasn't mind-blowingly great, but still solid. You know, some opportunity there. And so there, there's some bullpen guys that have an idea. Oh, yeah. And like uh, I mentioned, Matt Caracidi. Matt Caracidi was was perfectly solid with us in uh, Major League Action last year and was was really a good presence down in AAA Albuquerque. He's a good veteran presence. He works a lot and is sort of like a mentor and coaching kind of guy. I like Matt Caracidi a lot, and so mm-hmm. I'm happy to see that he is back for another spring training. And, you know, John Curtis is, is interesting just to expound a little more on him. Is like he's been around the block. He's been yeah. a major leaguer since 2017. Um, ironically, the first team that drafted him uh, out of high school was the Rockies. He oh, was a, of course they he did. Was, he was a 30th round draft pick back in 2011. Come on. What are we doing? Why do we keep doing this, Evan? The Rockies, move on. Move on. They're like stalking their ex-girlfriend in, or their crush in high school. And like, oh, is she single yet? Oh, is she out of this relationship? Like, no. Move on. <laughs> Following them all on Facebook. Oh, well, John Curtis didn't return our calls in the 2011 draft. Well, look who's come crawling back. Yeah. I was waiting for him to announce that uh, that scout that they hired. I was waiting for, him, for them to announce that they tried to hire him out of high school. Like, we've been interested in him since high school type of thing. This old man, like, <laughs> it's... It's a run. It's a bit at this point. Like, what are we doing? I will say we should we should probably talk about that a little bit. <laughs> is that the Rockies hired a scout from the Minnesota Twins organization? Um, Worthy enough to get a Bob John, Nightingale tweet. John John Milos, I think his name is. It's a very well respected scout out of the Twins organization. The Twins were trying to cut costs and terminated this guy's contract, and the Rockies swooped in and picked this guy up. And honestly, great. Because yeah. they've picked up a guy for scouting a who has talent. no history with the Rockies yeah. and is coming from outside of the organization. That's something we've said all the time is the Rockies need to be looking at guys from outside of this organization to get unique outside perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great hire. I really like that hire. But then you turn around and you see what the Rockies are doing. And like so many of these guys are guys that the Rockies have either had previously or thought about having previously. I mean, that was the whole thing about Chris Bryant is like the, that Bill high Schmidt school loved Chris Bryant and they wanted to draft him, but he just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Nolan Jones. We liked him at a high school. 
some of these pitchers they traded for at the deadline. We liked these guys out of high school and college. Oh, it's so... <laughs> it's, I can't help but laugh at that at this point. But It's a very Rockies yeah, it's, thing to do. It such is. Uh, but before we move on here, uh, any snubs that you feel that you know, you're surprised you didn't see on this initial list? There may be guys that get some action later in spring training, but anybody you're surprised? For me, it's it's Chase Dolander. I was going to say the same. I'm surprised that Chase Dolander is not um, at spring training. I do understand, however, that um, I don't believe Chase pitched at all with the Rockies organization last yeah. year. They they let him rest after the end of the college season in the draft. So they probably want to get his legs underneath him in terms of professional baseball right now. Yeah. My guess is, though, because we keep hearing this organization talk about you know, how much closer they think Dollander is to the bigs than a lot of their other pitching prospects. I'm really curious to see when he starts getting into game spring. Because, you know, as, as you get later into spring training, you start seeing some of the other guys who weren't yeah. uh, non-roster invites or anything like that get a little more playing time. I think we will see Chase during spring training. Oh, yeah. But then the question is where he is going to be assigned to start. If they really want to be gutsy, they could put him in like double A Hartford right away. I, I see him starting in Fresno for like April, make a couple starts, and then move up and you know, jump up to Spokane. I think he's going to go that natural progression, but it might be a little more rapid. Like, oh, he spends a month in Fresno in April, and then he spends May in Spokane. And, oh, June is, you know, or halfway into June. Okay, now we're moving you up to double-A because we've shuffled the roster up and down. I could see that happening. My my genuine guess, though, is that if he does start in an A-level ball, he's going to skip low-A entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've seen that happen plenty of times yeah. where higher-ranked prospects are, are put right into uh, high-A Spokane. And I think he's going to follow, like you said, I think it's going to be the Gabriel Hughes style progression where they're going to like get him up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And and hopefully we maybe see him in the spring breakout game against Arizona. Uh, Hopefully he, or he can make a later start like Gabriel Hughes last year when he made that start in spring training, you're like, this is legit. This is fire against the Dodgers. Like, heck yeah. Give me more of this. And he, he looked good. And you're like, okay, let me get some you know, optimism here. And I think that's going to be the goal of spring training with the Ross, with the prospects on the roster. You know, with like especially with you know, Jordan Beck, Zach Veen, Sterling Thompson, guys like that. And I'll, I'll throw Palmquist and Rock in there too. Some of these prospects, it's to help you know, build optimism for the team moving into the future and give them some like, more options and things to think about. Okay, maybe Zach Veen can crack the opening day roster with us. Maybe Thompson is a lot closer, and maybe he should be up here sometime soon. They uh, cross, same with Amador, who's already on the forty man. If he's doing really good, oh, well, maybe we can strike a deal to send Brendan Rogers somewhere, and you no, know, Amador is ready to take over, type of thing. I think he'll start in AAA, but uh, optimism. I think is the name of the game. Build some optimism for the team. Because, Evan, I think we both agree, we're tired of just feeling down about the Rockies all the time. And, like, I want to be happy about something. That's not Todd Helton going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, definitely. But, 
should be exciting. Spring training just a couple weeks away. Interesting names on this list and plenty to watch in the coming weeks. I do want to say I love how he gets basically a whole paragraph about how Ty Block is a Denver native and graduate of Regent Jesuit. <laughs> His team sure do love their local boys. Yep. I'm sure they probably liked him at a high school too. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It's really, it's really funny how many of these guys that we have are from Colorado. Oh, you know what? Actually, there is another name that I'm surprised I don't see on here. It's uh, Case Williams. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a ton more. There's a bunch more names here. Like, why aren't that, the they didn't more, get an invite? The more I sit here looking at it. And like scrolling through the Rockies 40 man, the more I'm starting to pick out, it's like, hold on. Where's this dude? But, and he said, I think this is their initial list. There'll be more. Oh, in, for sure. Over the in the coming weeks. But the initial list, you're like, eh, all right. This team on that 26 man invites, eh, they could win 59 games. Yeah. I <laughs> I somehow think they would still be better than the uh, soon-to-be-homeless Oakland Athletics. <laughs> the homeless athletics. But the Nomad Athletics? We have no idea. That's the thing. We have no <laughs> idea where they're going to be. The next. John Fisher's Major Screw-Up Athletics. Anyways. <laughs> Brought to you by Major League Baseball. <laughs> Brought to you by Major League Baseball. But we'll take a break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, coaching, minor league coaching staff. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on Affected by Altitude. After these messages, we'll be right back. Welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. I'm Skyler. That's Evan. Talked about spring training invites. And now we move on to the other minor league stuff. Uh, Evan, they finally announced the coaching staffs for all of the minor league affiliates plus the player development staff for the organization and not a there's a slew of changes not a bunch of wholesale changes but just kind of like plugging in in places uh in albuquerque they swapped out a, for a new bench coach in michael ryan who is the double a tennessee manager otherwise everybody else is returning pedro lopez manager jordan pacheco's back as the hitting coach chris mikolek is back as the pitching coach. Uh, down in double, I think double A had the yeah. Them double and high A, a had the most the, changes. Double double A has a ton of changes. The big one is that Kristen Ofria is no longer the manager of the Hartford Yard Goats. He has been promoted to the um, to the major league staff as what is it? The outfield and base running coordinator. Yeah, so he's gonna. Um, that's he's a gonna really cool out. move for him, though. It's sad to see him not managing Hartford anymore because I really liked him as the skipper down there. Yeah. But then a huge congratulations to the former bench coach of the Albuquerque Isotopes, Bobby Meacham, who is now the manager down in Hartford. Um, he's bringing in uh, pitching coach Dan Meyer and hitting coach Zach Osborne, and a new physical performance coach in Ryan Hurston. Uh, so a lot of changes in in Double A Hartford, but really excited for Bobby Meacham. This is a cool opportunity for him. Yeah, and, and I was initially looking at the list. I was like, Where, "Where's Kristen Orfia? Where is? Oh, he's now going to have an overseer of all that outfield and base running throughout the player development system. 
coordinator. So that's going to be cool. And hopefully you can see some more of that influence throughout the organization and really you know, hopefully seeing we can get more of more Brenton Doyle's more uh, Nolan Jones type of defense from the entire organization. Yeah. And um, shout out to it's it's a minor one that people don't really think about. But shout out to uh, Daniel Kleinholtz, who was promoted from the minor league clubhouse and equipment manager to the coordinator of minor league operations for the organizational staff. There you go. It's a, it's a pretty big jump. Um, not a not a whole lot of changes on the overall organizational staff. Um, some oh, some small changes in title, like uh, Doug Bernier is now listed as the fielding coordinator instead of the defensive coordinator. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure that's basically the same position. Yeah. Uh, D'Onofre is the outfield and base running coordinator. Uh, there's a new minor league uh, clubhouse and equipment manager at Salt River Fields taking over for Daniel Kleinholtz. That's Aaron Hahn. And then um, that's really about it on the on the big league staff. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but it's the same as we are not really expecting any changes on the Rockies actual coaching staff either. Yeah. And then we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, this when you look at the the player development staff, well, it not bad. Chris Forbes has got a good little system underneath him. It's like these kind of hirings you don't care as uh, I wouldn't say not care as much as about, but like they're not as scrutinized, you know. Whereas, you know, with the big league front office, that's where we're like, come on, quit being so insular. But like you're saying, some of those promotions, like that's fine. That type of stuff, like these guys naturally working in the organization, they do well. They've been promoted to other roles. That's perfectly fine. They're not being promoted to GM at the moment, and haven't been with the club for thirty years. That's a different story. But uh, it's nice that they're able to find some work for what's this guy's name, Tude Holton. Who's that guy? Where is this? <laughs> Uh, he's a special assistant to the GM, T- Toad Halton. I think it's pronounced Toddy Halton. Oh. Like, I think you're not looking at the accent marks properly. Is he related to that Hall of Famer that just went in? Probably not. You know, a lot of people have similar names. There's eight, there's <laughs> no eight billion people in the world. There's bound to be a couple repeats in spelling, right? <laughs> there's no, there's no relation. Um, but no, it's nice. Helton's back, along with Clint Hurdle, keep doing their thing. Mm-hmm. I think those two together especially are really, one, happy to work together. And for them to be working with the system is, is really nice. And I think I they're doing a lot though, of good work. During Rockies Fest, um, of uh, how sick do you think Clint Hurdle is about uh, fielding questions about Todd Helton? Because <laughs> um, all the panels he was at, he would get a ton of Todd Helton questions. And I get it yeah. because, you know, he was Todd Skip for a, for a good chunk of time. But it was just really funny to me. Like, I was loving it. It's like, ask me questions about me. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can no, do I know things too. They're, they're a really good combination there. Yeah. Um, I really also like that Scott Oberg is back as an assistant for player development and scouting, uh, mm-hmm. along with Jerry Weinstein and uh, Marcel Lachman. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Latchman. Is it Latchman? But yeah, Marcel Latchman. And there's Dustin Garneau's back as a catching and game planning coordinator. 
I was a big fan of that hire um, after Garno retired um, because it's it's really funny. We've talked about this ad nauseum. We talked about this with the Jacob Stalling signing as well. That the Rockies have a type when it comes to their backup catchers, and it's mm. the kind of guy that you can see going into a coaching role. Yeah, and that coaching role is what a lot of these guys are doing now. So like Drew Butera is a coach now and you know, we have all these guys where I really just think, I wonder if they are using their backup, uh, their backup catcher role as a way to scout potential coaches to come into the organization. (laughs) Could be. It's a weird way to operate a position, but (laughs) you do you, uh, because along with that, probably one of the more notable coaching hirings is Tony Walters as the bench coach for the Arizona Complex League. So he'll be back. That uh, is joining the team in his first coaching gig. We've talked about this a little bit already, but I really, really like uh, bringing Tony Walters back into the organization. You know, you talk about Tony from when he was a player here, his nickname was papers because he was always carrying around all these paper scouting reports and things like that. He was very much into like the, the research and planning of, of the game. He had a great relationship with the, with the other pitchers on the team. Excellent clubhouse guy. Tony is in my opinion, a natural coach. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to do fantastic. I'm so excited to have him. Uh, and that's just the nature with like you're kind of saying that's just catchers in general, I think, because no, they are the general of the field. They command the defense. They're like the apex of the defense. They're calling the pitches. They're working with the pitchers. And so they're basically a pitching coach all the time. And so I think it's just a natural progression for catchers in general to make that leap to managing or to coaching. No, uh, what's his name? Yadier Molina has the sights on managing and he's done in like the Caribbean series. Never did it in the WBC who was just hired as the Cleveland guardians manager. Oh, a former catcher in Steven vote. So I think it's a natural progression for catchers to make that move to coaching because they're practically doing it their entire career working with pitchers and deep and the defense and Oh, they have to figure out hitting too. So they get, that triple threat they're doing everything and that is that is uh it is good to have because you know your backup catcher doesn't really play that many games yeah but you're essentially fielding an extra coach yep pretty much and i think i think elias diaz has potential there as well because elias diaz can call a good game and he's he's very much a student of the game as well Oh, yeah. Guaranteed he has a coaching spot or something <laughs> queued up when he retires with the Rockies. Like it's <laughs> it almost feels guaranteed at this point. But uh, looking at the minor league staffs, though, let's count them off. Tony Walters, former Rocky player. You've got Scott Oberg, oh, former Rocky player. Excuse me. Pedro Astacio is back as a special special pitching coach down in the uh, DSL. There's another one. Dustin Garneau. Jordan Pacheco, uh, Todd Helton. Am I missing any? Was that about six? Six former Rockies players 
are coaches now in the organization and as coaches, workers, scouts, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's um, keep it in the family. You know, it's not. However, for for this one, it's not that unusual. Yeah. Like you look at other teams and other teams have plenty of guys who, you know, used to play for them, move into coaching roles. Heck, the the St. Louis Cardinals had offered Matt Holiday their bench coach role last year. Yeah. And then Daniel Descalso now is their new bench coach and Yachty works in the organization. And... Which is legitimately, I think that's a great role for Daniel Descalso. Yes. I, I like Daniel. I like Daniel Descalso. I do, but it's the same as like sometimes former players make very good coaches. Yes, and it makes me like there's more players. I hope that they, well, maybe in the future can find roles for, or at least I know they have them come in spring training, but like maybe find some more of those pitchers that were successful, like Aaron Cook. How much work would he ever be interested in it? Or Ubaldo Jimenez. Like, it always pains my heart to see Ubaldo is posting like he's doing stuff with the Orioles in in the Dominican visiting their academy. I'm like, oh, I want him to be doing stuff for the Rockies. Yeah. Bring, come home, Ubaldo. Or like Tulowitzki, who's done coaching, or Matt Holiday, like that type of stuff. I'm like, man. Or Cargo. No, Cargo's probably got better things to do. Other things to do, but... no. Keep tapping into that legacy where you can to get those influences of successful players and or smart players who, who look at adjust. how much we love having Vinny Castilla in the club in the clubhouse. Yeah. And uh, we've said repeatedly that I think Cargo belongs in that clubhouse is a good high energy presence. But, you know, you never know because um, yeah. sometimes it doesn't work out. Remember that we had uh, Dante Bichette as a hitting coach for a couple of years. Just the single season in 2013 and he did fine. And then he left cause he wanted to go spend more time with his kids. I'm, I'm still surprised that um, Jason Giambi was never a coach. Yeah. He still hasn't. Is he a special assistant anywhere? To what's Google. Gi- what's Giambi doing, man? If I was to get a hitting coach, I want Giambi. My golden thongs for everybody reaching around my microphone to type. I typed in Jason Fiambo. Ah, yes. Jason Fiambo. My favorite. All right. What do you do with Jason Giambi? Jason Giambi is 53 years old. Nice. Yeah. It's just keep bringing in that influence where you can. If guys are open to it. Like Jordan Pacheco done wonders down in Albuquerque. Like he's probably my favorite coach in the system. Just because I know you can see the results of his influence and along with other guys, but it's good stuff. Yeah, it's, it really is. I don't know why I just like, I, I spaced out there. It really is when it comes to coaching, there are guys that you want to target and they don't always have to be from within your organization, but you're always at least, at least on our end of things, Skylar, I feel like as we watch throughout the season, as we watch throughout the years, we go, 
that's a guy who could coach. That's a guy who could coach. That's a guy I want us to bring in as a coach. And that's how I felt about Tony Walters when he was, you know, sort of at the tail end of his career of like, you know, I want him back. I want him back as a coach. Mm-hmm. And it's like after Charlie's done playing, like, is he going to be a special assistant as well type of thing? You know, would that be something he'd be interested in doing in some capacity where he can, you know, check out minor leaguers or check out some scouting in places from time to time. We'll see, but not too shabby with the coaching staff, especially we've had good coaching staffs in the minor leagues for the past several years now. Good to keep that continuity of just good quality coaching staffs down there and new guys that are coming in to bring some of that outside influence before we move on here. Uh, Rolando Garza was the Tampa Bay Rays pitching coordinator, and he's now the pitching coach down in Fresno. So I like uh, that move. That's a get him get him early, <laughs> and get a pitching coach like that. Okay, no, maybe Chase Dolander starts there to work with him to just get and fix some things there, work on his tweaks of his mechanics that he was wanting to work on. Get him in at that ground floor. And, keeps going up good because then you have the Hartford old Hartford pitching coach now down in Spokane so you're just getting quality from the get-go in the pitching department absolutely good stuff good stuff uh but like you mentioned and we assume major league coaching staff is going to be the same I think for all purposes that's what running with for better or for worse I would have liked a new pitching coach but uh it is what it is, but the question on our minds, Evan, is February 15th, pitchers and catchers reporting is coming up soon. Will Bud Black get his annual uh, contract extension? I honestly don't know. I feel like it would have happened already. Uh, the Rockies are nothing but consistent, so they did it on the day pitchers and catchers reported the past two seasons. So I can't help but think we're going to get another one, his annual tradition, because he's on a rollover handshake agreement. It's your job until you don't want it anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Which also seems to be the case with Bill Schmidt. It's yours until you don't want to do it. But I wonder if they go, well, let's just wait till the end of the season and see how we're feeling. Yeah. Well, I think that's what it'd be is like the meeting right before spring training. And then they're like, do you want to you know, keep doing this next year? And then Bud like, yeah, sure. Because I think they watched Moneyball, Eric, I'm thinking somebody else, Evan. uh, I think they watched Moneyball in that scene where Art Howe comes up and he's like, it's hard to do what I do under the weight of a one-year contract. And then the Rockies probably watched that and like, oh, yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) Let's give him a one-year extension. Of course, always coming to the tape, always coming to it 20 years late. Exactly. <laughs> Art Howe was, used to be our bench coach. We liked him in high school. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so we'll see. And that'll be a further ex- discussion later about just that prospect of getting a contract. But uh, And I'm sure we'll be talking about it. Once the time comes, 
But we'll take another quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, a potential breakout superstar for the Rockies that uh, everybody seems to think is going to happen. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. Final segment coming up now with uh, myself, Skylar Timmons, and Evan Lang, as has been the case this entire episode. What if we just swapped out at some point? What do you mean? I I switched. (laughs) We bring back Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) How you doing? Oh, video version flipping around. But uh, moving along here as we close out the end. Nolan Jones, understandably, had a really good rookie season in 2022, or 2023. I wish it was 2022. 2023 had the highest uh, B-War on the Rockies. Overall, probably by season's end, the best player, the most valuable Rocky. He was our most valuable Rocky in our end-of-season awards. But uh, he's getting a lot of media attention, Evan. I think more and more at the national level. And a lot of people tabbing him as a potential breakout superstar guy ready to take that next leap forward in 2024, which is over after the past couple of seasons is really nice to, to hear on the national level. Yeah. The nice thing about Nolan Jones is that he really is getting, getting attention all over the place. It was great to see him. um, You know, he placed fourth in national league rookie of the year voting, something that I'm still frustrated about (laughs) because uh, was James Outman of the Dodgers took third, despite the fact that Nolan Jones was better in basically every single category and every single way. But the fact that he got, fourth place in voting is still a a major improvement i think over you know the years where we've had where you know the rockies just they're not even thought about in these kinds of awards and you look at how you know i've stated i think he would have been a gold glove finalist if not potentially the winner for gold glove in left field because of that uh stupid uh inning stipulation where you have yeah. to have played a certain amount of innings at that position by a certain time frame and and you know nolan jones has plenty of detractors online as well um you know folks saying he'll oh he won't be able to repeat um he's due for regression that kind of thing uh they point to his his fairly high babbit from last year which was at uh 0.401 but if you look at his 2022 season with Cleveland, his rookie campaign, his backup was 358, which is really pretty solid still. And there's of course things that need to be ironed out with Nolan Jones's game, especially here in Colorado, his uh, 43% ground ball rate, pretty high. I would like to see that go down though. Of course it's not as high as some of the other players on this team. Um, And you know, his strikeouts can always go down, but you can say the same thing for pretty much everybody. But Nolan Jones is, I do believe if he can even have a season as good as he did in 2023, I think we can legitimately call him a star because he was excellent in 2023 and even underrated in 2023. You know, he had 4.3 war wins above replacement, which led the led the team. And that really came out of nowhere because who were we all expecting to be the Rockies rookie of the year candidate? If they had one, it was going to be Ezekiel Tovar. And Tovar didn't even get a vote mm-hmm. yeah, versus, he, or he didn't get really any recognition at all. He no, was even a gold glove finalist, but yeah, that was about it. But like another, like top rookies from like 
Anthony Volpe. You're like, wait, what? Whoop de doo if he hit 20 some odd home runs. Yeah. Dude hit 200. And you have MLB doing their their like top 10 by position. And, and Mike Petriello, I love Mike Petriello, but his top 10 shortstops for next year, he didn't even he didn't list Ezekiel Tovar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why not Tovar? His fielding is excellent. And he's like, well, he can't hit. But that's not true. He can. He just, there needs to be improvement. It's the same with Brenton Doyle um, in center field. Is he left uh, Brenton Doyle off his center field list despite the fact that Doyle is, you know, defensively the best center fielder in the league. But for Nolan Jones, Nolan Jones was what MLB's third overall left fielder going into the 2024 season. Yeah. And the fan vote put him like seventh or so, still in top 10. So he's getting that, I think, recognition more on the national level which i think is going to be huge and you know that's okay if people are like expecting the regression but like isn't it more fun to be hopeful about yeah, the be player i did well like, like, i wrote i wrote time and time again last year the tail end of the season that the flashes that nolan jones are showing should have you excited like you should be ready to have some have some fun with this instead of going oh we're gonna regress it's gonna be bad the rockies are gonna be bad yeah like he can't repeat this the 400 that's going to come down like yeah probably but don't be (laughs) i want to say like don't gloat about it type of thing if that no does happen yeah but like be hopeful about him be optimistic about him that's everybody whatever a player's assessment is all over the place for everybody there's people i think are going to be bad that end up being better and vice versa it happens it's baseball that's baseball (laughs) my shirt my shirt i said last night is that y'all, you know that you can, even if the Rockies are bad, you can still, like, have fun and enjoy things, right? No, like, we Evan. All, we all know the team is bad. Everybody knows it. It's not a secret. The fans know it. The players know it. The coaches know it. The front office. We all know. We get it. But you can still have fun fun you can still enjoy things you can still go oh man nolan jones was great last year i can't wait to watch him next year yeah and look there are plenty of fans that are like that and i think the national media is helping build that optimism because you're seeing no they're taking note of i think sean casey mentioned on like a podcast or something who was the hitting coach for the yankees at the time the yankees came to Denver and he's like one of the most exciting bats that oh, I saw was Nolan Jones like the dude is he's power all this stuff and just people heaping praise on Nolan Jones and oh, being that surprised I'm like man Cleveland could have used him this past season he's the type of guy they need but uh jokes on them he's ours now and I think it's it's nice to see him get that breakout potential he could be yeah. our all-star representative totally could happen could no be that next star because what he's like 26 he's 25 he's turning 26 soon he's about to turn 26 in about 100 days he's going to be 26 yeah so he's 26 age 26 season plenty of time like you can still get several good years out of him and it's what's exciting is that this is a guy who kind of came out of nowhere. Like he was a top prospect in the, in the Cleveland organization for a little bit, but you know, he struggled with injuries and didn't really play that much in his rookie season. We trade him over here. We trade Juan Brito for him and he's 
a star. He's a star in the making. Yeah. His personality is excellent. He does really well in front of the cameras, in front of the lights. He's fun to watch the his his arm strength and fielding like Nolan Jones is in is in left field because he's got the the speed and the uh the range that makes it better for because left field is is fairly cavernous at Coors Field that's why we move people over to right field you know sort of later on in their career because it's just it's less range because you know Coors outfield is so deep but Nolan Jones would be just as fun to watch in right field because of that absolute cannon of an arm. Like you remember cargo in right field where he would just throw an absolute nuke from the deepest part of right field. That's what Nolan Jones can do. Mm-hmm. Like every part of his game is fun. His glove is fun. His he, he's fun to watch because he can, he can run really well when he got that. Uh, he got the, did he do, he, he, but he did the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. And he did it in not that much time. Yeah. So imagine how good he could be now that he's got basically a full season under his belt of experience playing 150 games. Yeah. And that's kind of the expectations I would set for him in the season as one, staying healthy and playing as many games as you can. He has the capacity to play all 162. He probably won't, but it'll be close. But that's the number one is be on the field. I think for me, make sure you keep your strikeouts in check. Even showing more, I think showing improvement across the board. And so it's, you know, yeah, if the your BABIP comes down a bit, is it still good? Is it still manageable? Is it still productive across the board? How are you? Is his walk numbers up? Are they close to league average or higher? Which I think they were last year. Strikeout numbers, are they more in line with league average? Hovering around there. And no, how are his power numbers? How is, like you mentioned before, the ground balls, are those improving? I think for him and a lot of these other sophomore season players, it's just growth and consistency across the board and showing just growth. I think is the big thing for me is just showing growth. Brenton Doyle, has he shown growth? Are you striking out less and getting on base more, hit, getting more hits? Tovar, same thing. And those are my expectations for Jones to take that next step forward along with some of these other sophomore players. Yeah, and, and talking about that walk rate, is, is you're right, is that Nolan Jones's walk rate was above league average. Um, you look at some of the guys that he has a better walk rate than well one of those is james outman but then you've got some really good hitters like uh he's up there in terms of walk rate with guys like paul goldschmidt alex bregman and you know the the guys who are above him in terms of walk rate are like the best of the best like shohei otani and juan soto Mm -hmm. and max muncie uh bryce harper so company yeah he he He's got really good company. You know who had a pretty bad walk rate in uh, in 2023? is Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado has 6.7% walk rate. Yeah. I think Nolan Jones sapped some of that Nolan power from Arenado, who had a down year. He's reclaiming the title of Nolan being Nolan. Yes. And, yeah, it's just, it's fun. It's fun. I'm really, I'm excited to watch Nolan Jones. Yeah. And... 
the big thing I think will be the greatest indicator of how his season will go is for a lot of these guys, can they make the adjustment with the new scouting reports? No, after this this last season, teams will adjust. The league adjusts to them. He was really good on you no know, first pitches in that bat. Really good on OO counts. How will he adjust to that? Because teams are then going to stop throwing him you no know, a pitch over the plate OO. Yeah. You no, know, they're going to start throwing wasting one in the dirt. Can he then make it a one one O count in those instances? And how will he? It's just adjusting to league. Can they make the adjustment with the league? to how they're going to get attacked. Yeah. And I mean, the same goes for the pitchers. Can they adjust to how they're going to attack guys? I mean, heck, he wasn't he wasn't just really good in OO counts. He was the best in baseball on OO counts with a 397 OPS plus. Mhm. And so yeah. you've got to see then like think about when you know the, the best players need to make those adjustments when they know that they're not going to get those same pitches. Think about when, you know, Charlie Blackman, when people realize that, oh, this guy's actually a, a threat, we need to pitch to him differently. Yeah. And, and when he, he was did, able to make those adjustments after a little bit. And when he didn't have the protection around him anymore, where he didn't have story, he didn't have Arnauto around him, it was just him. Look how you can start to see the decline in a lot of his his attack and a lot of his approach in his numbers. One from age, but also just he didn't have protection around him anymore. And so the league changed how they pitched to him and he had to adjust to that. Yeah. So yeah, it's less the, power, it's the same but more football, walks. Where it's like, oh, wow, this guy had an amazing rookie season. Well, now they've got film. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why sophomore slump is always a real thing for the rookies. But I think, uh, I have faith in Nolan Jones to be able to make those adjustments. He's already proven once he can make huge adjustments. And you know, if if he has a down year, you don't write him off entirely. Like yeah. we've all made that same mistake before. After Trevor Story had his excellent uh, rookie season, the next year he slumped a bit. He was not as good. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, he flashed in the pan. Maybe we should start someone else at shortstop. Maybe we should be starting Pat Valeka at shortstop and see <laughs> what we've got in him. And it's, you need to be patient. Yeah. And, and I wrote about that early this last season. It was about Tovar and Montero. But like, imagine if the Rockies had given up on Cargo in that first season he was with the Rockies, had given up on him because he wasn't hitting early in that season. Like, imagine the world we, the universe we live in, the timeline we'd live in if the Rockies are like, oh, no, we're this isn't working. We're going to move on. Yeah. Or even like, imagine if the Rockies had given up on Charlie Blackman in yeah. 2011, where he only had 102 plate appearances and had an OPS plus of 47 and then broke his foot. And then they go, you know, nah. Yeah. We're going to keep moving on. Well, we got drew Stubbs. like the, at some point it'll click. And oh, I think it clicked for Nolan Jones last season. And we just got to be patient, if, especially this season. You can be, you can afford to be patient. If guys are struggling, it'll be concerning. Yeah, but don't what, write them write them off do entirely. You have to lose by being patient yeah. with your young players this coming like, season. If Ryan McMahon is struggling mightily, that's when you're like, yeah, this isn't working. 
or you know if, if brendan rogers again doesn't play a full season due to injury yeah freak accident and breaks his who knows what shatters his tibia shatters his pelvis but for for nolan jones i'm what makes me less worried about a sophomore slump for him is just looking back at his at bats in 2023 he took some of the best at bats on this team yeah especially down the stretch mm-hmm. like his his september his last month of the season he was putting together some of the the best at bats to watch mm-hmm. he was so good to watch yeah and i think a big thing too for him does that i just hope like hearing this you no know, attention stuff doesn't like putting unneeded pressure on himself that he can just repeat of, okay, I'm just going to go have fun and enjoy being here. Cause then when players make that decision and change that mindset, that's when they see that success and just let it go, go with the flow, have fun, be good people. And you know, I think that really is, I think that's a big part of his game is that he, he seems to handle the spotlight really well. Yeah. Like at, at Rocky's Fest, we talked a little bit, a little about Rocky's Fest last week. And by a little bit, we talked most of the episode about Rocky's Fest, but a <laughs> uh, correction. You did <laughs> for that second segment because you had a lot of fun. I did, but Nolan Jones, like he very, he wasn't having any difficulty, like with all the people asking him questions and talking to things. He was very smooth and easygoing. Mm-hmm. And that translates to how he plays on the field. Yep. Like you look at you look at the photos of him and there's a lot of joy in that face when he's playing baseball. And I think that helps a lot. Yeah. And especially when they're in a Rockies uniform, having fun playing baseball while as a Rocky. Unheard that's unheard of. of. <laughs> Preposterous. Needs to be strictly business. This is a job. But uh no. It's exciting. And I have high hopes for him. And if outside he comes short of, of those hopes, we riot. Outside of Nolan Jones, who are you the most excited for in 2024? <sighs> I know it's probably not a popular opinion. I want a healthy full season. I'm excited about a healthy full season at first base for Chris Bryant. Honestly, I agree. Because I, um, I wouldn't say he's the guy I'm most excited about. Yeah. But I think... I think if he can play a hundred games this year and put up some solid numbers at the plate, that's a very successful season. I want more out of him. If he's playing first base, I expect more than a hundred games. I don't want him dabbling in the outfield. Get that out of your mind, Bud Black. Get you that out of your mind. Low. Get it out of your mind. He doesn't play right field anymore. His body won't let him. He's fragile. He's a special boy. He's fragile. <laughs> Keep him at first base. Chris Bryant is a special boy. He's a special boy. Don't you dare hurt my special boy. Um, but it, I, I expect a good year out of him at first base. And people are like, there's not the production of a first baseman. I don't care. That's still in him. I think hopefully his body will let him. We've also already argued that that kind of argument of oh it's not the prototypical production of a first baseman is stupid. Yeah, one of that not a prototypical is in the Hall of Fame now. So 
a socket. But uh, what I was going to say is Cal Quantrill, I think is for me, the new acquisition. He's the one I'm most excited to see what he can do on the mound because one, he's also got another year of control. And so if he does well, you've got a guy that you can either trade away to open some room for your other guys, or you can hold on to him for next year. And that shores up your rotation next year. Yeah, I really like the trade for him. It's a very, very low risk, high reward yeah. trade where we we parted with uh, a single, uh, a low A level catcher, Cody Huff, who I like, but you know, we, I, I think it was an excess goods at the time. And we pick up a guy who has a history of being good. If he's not good this year, you know, you didn't really give up that much for him. And if he is good, he's got another year of team control and you could figure some stuff out. Yeah. And oh, he's already been ingraining himself with the other pitchers. They've been working in Arizona, hanging out. Well, he was at that, the avalanche game with the rest of the guys for Rockies fest. So I think he's fully embraced coming to Colorado and you hear from the other guys like, yeah, he's a smart guy. He's ready to attack you know, Coors Field and share his thoughts and figure out pitching the plan here. I think he's a good type of guy who could have a good year. I say this not just because he's Canadian, but in terms of mindset, he really reminds me a lot of Jeff Francis. Yeah, that's good. Just like a really, a really smart pitcher. Yeah. And I like Cal. I think he, you know, I didn't speak with him a ton but he was very pleasant uh at rocky's fest uh, i really like that the two guys i am most most excited for outside of nolan jones i really really excited to see the kinds of adjustments that brenton doyle and ezekiel tovar are going to be making going into their second full seasons mm-hmm. because they really need to make those adjustments but if they do those are two incredibly special players like we've already seen brenton doyle is a damn good center fielder and we've said it time and time again if he can get his bat up to at least being okay which i think the potential is there because we watched him make those adjustments in real time we watched him still hit 10 home run, 10 plus home runs even though you know his hitting wasn't wasn't that stellar last year he's got that potential in him and it's the same for tovar Mm-hmm. two incredibly talented defensive players where if they can get their bats up to par, oh boy, they're going to be special. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, a lot of those things, what ifs, if things pan out, Rockies can be better than we expect. We don't expect them to be World Series playoff contenders, but not a hundred loss team. At least yeah. I hope not. That's my the, hope. The goal for 2024 is don't lose 100 games. Build for the future. Mm-hmm. And if you lose 100 games, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. But even if they do lose 100 games, so what? Uh, it's at least a signal like, okay, we need to make some other changes. Yes, and for this season, for 2024, after last season, the expectations are that low mm-hmm. where I can go. I don't think they're going to lose a hundred games again, but if they do, it's not surprising. And if they do, it's not the end of the world because we know that the rebuild has started. Yes. I think that's it's, the big thing. it stinks. Like it's not going to be fun if they lose a hundred games again. I think we can all agree with that, but maybe we one know... day we can be the Orioles. Yes. Or the diamond bats or the Rangers. Mm-hmm. 
these are all teams that have had a hundred lost seasons in their near past. Yeah. Although the Rangers spent a ton of money, so I don't think that's in our cards. True. <laughs> but excitement. We're always cautiously optimistic. Every time the season starts, optimism finds a way of creeping into our hearts. And we believe in our special boy, Chris Bryant. At least I do. He has, he has special eyes. <laughs> He's a special boy who has special problems. My brand. My brand. His special eyes. <laughs> but that'll do it here for this edition of every, or not every Rocky ever. That's my <laughs> other podcast. This is affected by altitude. So, but as always, we appreciate you tuning in, sharing along with us, share it with your friends, follow us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts and platforms, new episodes every Monday, our 100th episode spectacular is coming up soon. And we'll probably put out a mailbag for that. I think that'd be good for that. So send us those questions through Twitter or comments of the video podcasts on the article over at purplerow.com. And we would love to incorporate that. We have hopefully a special guest joining us for that 100th episode spectacular, Evan. Uh, I've reached out to him and he said he's going to put it on his calendar. So I think we should be good. Yes. It should be good. It's not Todd Helton. We're just going to go ahead and say that. But it's his cousin, Toad Holton. Did that joke land? <laughs> should ask that after everyone. But Evan, where can the folks find you? You can find me on Twitter and threads at Evan underscore Lang 27 and on Blue Sky at Evan Lang 27.bsky.social. Find me on Purple Road doing the Thursday Rock Piles, though I might be switching to Mondays. I'm uh, still working on making that decision. Uh, in the meantime, you can also hit us up on YouTube and Twitter for Rocky Mountain Rooftop at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's at R O C K Y M T N Rooftop. Skyler, where can the folks find you? You can also uh, find Rocky Mountain Rooftop on Instagram, though, unfortunately, we're both awful at using it. <laughs> but we see it. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at sideline underscore crowd and then write in Wednesday Rock Piles and find articles over at fansforsports.com. Doing all that good stuff. Well, I do declare, Evan, as you wave that fan on your face, we're absolutely positively having the vapors at the end of this episode. And so that'll do it here. I'm Skylar. That's Evan. Until next time. I do declare farewell. Oh, fairly well. <laughs> I may, I may, I may be just a simple old podcast host, but I do declare that them there Colorado Rockies are going to be playing some of that base head ball in the near future. <laughs> farewell. Hey. We said there might be a stupid impression in this episode. I had to deliver. Yes. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>